But when I saw this gentleman getting hit and coming back and the way Vladimir was taking him through the stages, you know, when he was hitting him, you know, he was waiting for him to come back. It was like, okay, whenever you're ready, you can come back. So that what to me, that was I wanted to know what he knew. And that's what was driving me in Sistema. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Kenny, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the podcast. How you doing, Glenn? Yeah, not Good bad. To be here. Yeah, not bad. All, all things considered, as you said, it's <laughs> that's, that's the phrase, right? It's uh, in North Carolina, people like to say it's going. You know, how's it going? They're like, well, oh, it's going. <laughs> Seems to be the word of the day right now on the COVID and stuff. So, uh, so for folks who haven't met you, haven't had the privilege, I've I've probably known you for about a bit more than 10, 12 years, something like that, just across the seminar circuit and. Had the privilege of training at your place down there in Florida a couple of times and lots, lots of seminars and things. Um, can you tell folks just a bit about um, where you're from and, uh, and what your background is, how you came into martial arts and system? Well, um, my name is Kenny Gonzalez. Um, I'm originally from a small town in Pennsylvania, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yeah, my, wife's, my uh, wife's family are from there. That's crazy. My wife's mother's right? family. Yeah, my wife's, they're from Lancaster and Red Lion, right around the corner. Okay. Yeah, so home of the Amish. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> So I grew up in Lancaster. My um, my first formal training in martial arts was a was called Mudokwan, hmm. karate, which is Korean karate. Yeah, um, it's kind of like an offshoot of a uh, you know Taekwondo sort of, but it wasn't Taekwondo. Uh, started training in that. Uh, joined the military uh, in 1988, and uh, start when I joined the military, I went to Fort Carson, Colorado, which is uh, close to the Olympic Training Center. Had the opportunity to go to the uh, Nationals, the Taekwondo Nationals, which I wasn't in Taekwondo, but I was invited to go, so so I went. Wow. Um, met a gentleman there by the name of Sang Lee, uh, who I didn't know who he was, and he was the Olympic head coach. Wow. And uh, he wanted to have me train for the Olympics uh, full-time. So I, you know, I explained to him I was in the military, and so he said, "That's no problem. Tell me what you know, what, what unit you're in. Yeah. I was a letter. I sent a letter to your commander, and we'll get it to where you're released." So I didn't think anything of it. You know, I just went back to Fort Carson, and uh, I was I had orders to go to Germany. Mm. A couple about a week, two weeks before I was going to Germany, um, my commander called me in his office, and I went in, and he said, "I received this letter from this guy, Sang Lee." He wants me to release you to train full time for the Olympics. Um, he said, unfortunately, you have orders to go to Germany. So here's what we could do. You take your vacation. I was going on leave to visit my parents before I went to Germany. Mm. And he said, when you get to Germany, you figure out what duty station you're in. I'll forward this message for you. When you get there, uh, when the letter gets there, your commander in Germany will release you. You'll come back to the States and train full time. I said, OK. So I went on leave, went to Germany. Um, I was stationed in Mannheim, Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, great time. And uh, the letter finally caught up with me at my duty station. But unfortunately, 9-11, had, uh, nine, not the uh, first uh, Saudi, the first war, the Iraqi war, oh, the, the first Gulf time war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, war had started. And unfortunately, I was not uh, able to be released because of my MOS and the job that I had was a job that they just couldn't let me go. So. Sure. Okay, so so you missed an opportunity to train to become an Olympian in that one. That, that's correct. So 
Um, when I got out, I, you know, I tried to pursue that, um, but unfortunately, it d- didn't work because the Olympics had already happened, and I would have to wait another four years. And you know, of course, I was getting older, and that's a young man's sport. So, <laughs> sure. So, so, had you by that point when you met um, Sang Lee, you've been training Taekwondo for a little while before that. I mean, when did you start your martial arts training? When you were a little kid or teenager? Yeah, I started when I was thirteen years old. Okay, in yeah. in Mutuan. Um, and, um, I had been doing martial arts for a little over 14 years at that point Okay. when I met Sang Lee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, but I wasn't doing Taekwondo. I was doing Muda Kwan, but okay. he just liked the way, you know, I was fighting and the way I, you know, I was sparring or whatever. And, uh, he thought I had some potential, which is what he said on the letter. So, gotcha. so I'm not that familiar with Muda Kwan. How's that different to? Taekwondo, is it just a, a different route or a different emphasis? Well, the, the gentleman who created the art, his name was Francisco Conde, and uh, Francisco Conde uh, was Filipino, was Filipino. Okay. And, and um, his, you know, his background was in Filipino martial arts, but uh, he had studied under, you know, Taekwondo, and this was an art that he created, the Mudukwan. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, if Ed Parker and, and uh, Francisco Conde were best friends, mm. So uh, if you look in some of the Ed Parker books, you'll notice that uh, Francisco Conde is mentioned there from the Kunchakas. Francisco Conde was the first person to bring the Nunchucks to the United States. Oh, wow. Crazy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. So is that, um, so that was, um, so Ed Parker, for those that don't know him, he's American Kempo, right? And so was that your connection to Martin as well? Martin Wheeler? Because I, I believe you met him through Kempo, right? So that was that later you started doing Kempo after Taekwondo? Yeah, that's correct. After I got out of the military, um, I, I met my wife in the military and we got married and um, we were both military. Yeah. Uh, she stayed in and I got out, which is kind of the opposite of, you know, normality. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, um, we moved to Augusta, Georgia and through a connection uh, through Conde and, and my instructor, Papa Pagan. There was a guy in, um, in West Palm Beach mm. who was teaching Kempo, uh, Sean Kelly. So I met up with Sean Kelly. And that's how I got into the Kempo world. Mm. Okay. And you were involved in that for quite a long time. You were training and teaching Kempo? Yeah. Yeah. Sean Kelly wasn't my teacher. He just kind of opened the doors for me. Um, I started training uh, with a lot of, uh, um, but my primary teacher was a guy named Paul Mills out of a small town in Evanston, Wyoming. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but the guy was, was phenomenal. I, I heard of him in Alaska. I was uh, living in Anchorage, Alaska. And uh, somebody was talking about Las Vegas and how he was knocking people out with two fingers. And um, I was like, okay, I need to know who this guy is, Paul Mills. And uh, Ed Parker had what they call the Kempo tree uh, since he was a Mormon. And uh, on the Kempo tree, he basically had all his black belts. Mm. Uh, And but Paul Mills name wasn't on there. So so, you know, my inquiry was like, why is his name not on the Kempo tree? And they were like, well, you know, I was told. They don't know, but if you meet him, you'll know he's an Ed Parker black belt. So, mm. of course, I had to meet him. So I met him and, uh, you know, I trained with him continuously for about 10 years. Wow. So what what do you think drove your just ongoing interest through martial arts, like uh, starting with um, starting with, you know, oh, sorry, uh, Korean karate and moving through to Taekwondo and then into, uh, you know, Kempo again. What was really driving it? Was it you just enjoyed the study for its own sake, or did you feel like it gave you different benefits in life? I mean, you, some people seek martial arts as for the structure, right, and for the discipline. 
But if you were army or military police, you probably had enough discipline and structure right, <laughs> coming through on that way. So you probably didn't seek it for that. What was your major motivation for training? Uh, well, I, I thought it was, uh, to me, it was, uh, you know, like you said, the structure, the, the, you know, the, just the military part of it. You know, when I was in the army, I got out after four years. Um, I love martial arts since I was a kid. You know, I, mm. when I was a kid, I grew up in a <clears throat> bad neighborhood. So, um, I fight all the time just cause, you know, I look Caucasian, I'm Hispanic, but I'm, I look Caucasian. Mm. So you know, I had to kind of like, uh, you know, uh, Grew up in a bad neighborhood and used to have to fight all the time. So martial arts for me, when I uh, started learning martial arts, Mudu Kwan, we were at a um, at a facility which was in the ghetto. And we used to open the doors in the summertime because we didn't have air conditioning. Mm. And we used to line up and they used to see us at the class and they, they would know who was taking martial arts and who wasn't. So that was kind of like the rumor spread around. It's like, don't mess with him. Okay. He like a deterrent, arts. like a psychological deterrent. Like, yeah. So, <laughs> so that kind of helped, you know, um, I don't think I've, I've used it maybe once in my entire life, used martial arts where I've had to, mm. you know, use my martial arts. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that's all. So, you know, I've been uh, doing martial arts since, like I said, since I was 13, 14 years old. So. Right. Great. So then how, what was your path into Sistema? You had this established relationship into and you're training some top guys in Kempo. Was it Martin? Was he the window into Sistema for you or was it a different route? Well, well, actually, you know, I was doing I was doing Kempo and I had my own school here in, in Tampa. Yeah. Um, and I met a guy named Sonny Pusakas. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, Sonny and uh, he had put an article in a little newspaper um, looking for people who want to be Russian martial arts instructors. Mm. I didn't know anything about Russian martial arts. So, you know, of course, I called him up and uh, we met. We exchanged ideas. Um, and that's how I, I got into Sistema through him. Him and I opened up our own studio together. He was teaching Sistema. I was teaching Kempo Karate. And I was teaching Kali because I was also an instructor in Kali. Wow! And under under Ray Dionardo. Mm. So um, so we we were having the studio together, and he one day he said that he was going to go meet his instructor in Charlotte. Mm. And so I said, "Well, can I go?" And he's like, "Sure." So I went with him, and uh, I remember meeting Vladimir, mm. and. Uh, at, during the halftime of the seminar, um, you know, I I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was just mm. kind of like going along with what they were, what he was trying to teach. And he he was he was hitting this uh, this Oriental kid with a uh, with a stick. Mm. And they, you know, I didn't know anything about this. So the guy would back up. You know, he would breathe, relax, and move his body and come back up. Vladimir would hit him with the stick again, and I was like petrified i've never seen anything like that before yeah. <laughs> yeah. so oh, you've done um, a lot of stick fighting too right you've done kali then you were no no stranger to a stick right but not <laughs> getting hit to the to the stomach you know and how he was you know going back and breathing and moving his body and coming back and yeah and, and in my mind i was like why does he keep coming back you know, <laughs> it's a valid back. question it's like sometimes i've <laughs> asked myself that question <laughs> <laughs> so um so anyways he must have hit him you know 10 times and then it was over. So I started walking away. Sonny was, was standing behind Vladimir and he says, uh, Vladimir, Kenny wants you to hit him. And, uh, and I turned around, I was like, no, I'm okay. <laughs> Vladimir's like, no, come here. And I was like, no, no, I'm okay. And he, you know, Vladimir has that calming voice, you know? Yeah. 
So he says, you know, come here. So, so of course I tried it. I didn't know anything, anything about breathing. So had this massive, you know, black and blue all over my stomach and all over my chest. Yeah. Uh, when uh, Monday morning, when uh, when I went back to to the class, to the studio, I Sonny was there and I showed him the black and blue. And he says, yeah, that's because you don't know how to breathe. So <laughs> let me teach you how to breathe. So uh, Sonny and I uh, had to close our studio. When we did, he moved to Sarasota. Mm. Well, he was been in Sarasota, but transport and uh, driving back and forth to to Tampa every day. And uh, so Sonny wasn't around and I wasn't going to drive to Sarasota. So I called Vladimir and uh, and uh, he said, sure, come on up and uh, you can start training. Mm. So that's how I started training with Vladimir. Right. OK. So do you remember anything about your apart from like kind of being petrified at this weird practice of standing there and taking hits from fists or sticks? <laughs> do, you, do you remember anything else that struck you as a martial artist, right, as an experienced martial artist coming in? about Sistema training, because it's not just that we use different techniques, right? It's that the whole training methodology is a bit different. It's so much more freeform. We don't start from, okay, if the guy does this, then you do this. If he does this, then you do five combinations. And for all of their differences, technically, um, Kempo and Kali and Karate and Taekwondo all basically work off the system of let's learn some weapons and then let's see some things that people apply and then here's the response and here's the stimulus and here you go. Whereas in a Sistema class, you get thrown in and even as an experienced martial artist, like I trained um, jiu-jitsu and uh, karate and aikido for many years. And I remember my first systemic class, I'm like, I, what am I supposed to do here? You know, and they just kind of put you into these breathing exercises and then movement. And you're like, okay, is this still the warm-up? I'm not sure if this is the warm-up or not. And then you're pushing each other around. I'm like, what am I supposed to do, a joint lock or something else? And in the beginning, you end up showing off a little bit just to show people that you are a martial artist, right? That you have worth, you're not a beginner. And then you realize that you are actually a beginner in this thing that you're doing now and you have to kind of let that go. Can you remember much about your experience, your first kind of uh, intuitions about Sistema and what it was? Was there anything off-putting or was it all just wonder and awe for you? Well, like I said, when he was hitting that, that, that gentleman, which I still don't even know who he was, <laughs> uh, when he was hitting him, the guy was, you know, backing up, he was breathing, he was moving his body. Um, and then he would kept, you know, like, and I thought to myself, why does he keep coming up to get hit? Mm. I didn't understand that whole process. You know, I, I understand. I understood that he was breathing. I also under, understand that, you know, getting hit with the stick, the way he was getting hit would hurt. Yeah. Why was he coming back? What was he doing uh, physically, mentally, internally, externally? That's what drove me to get more information about Sistema. That's yeah. what I wanted to know. What was he doing? What allowed him to come back? Because out in the street, mm. if you get hit, you know, and you can breathe and you can shrug it off and you can come back, you know, that to me was like, okay, so what is what is what is what is he doing or what does he know? Yeah. I need to know. Yeah. Because as the way he was breathing, the way he was uh, moving his body, and how he was so calm. Yeah. You know, the guy that was getting hit was so calm. And I was like, okay, you know, if we're doing Kempo, you know, there's a lot of emotions to it. Mm. You know, there's a lot of, you know, techniques. You hit one way, you hit the other way, you know, you'd move this way. But he wasn't doing any of that. He was just breathing and relaxing in his body, and, and it was I wanted to know what he was doing internally and externally and why did he keep coming back and getting hit? So to me, when I saw that, mm. um, 
because I've seen a lot of great martial artists, sure. you know. Um, but when I saw this gentleman getting hit and coming back and the way Vladimir was taking him through the stages, you know, when he was hitting him, you know, he was waiting for him to come back. It was like, okay, whenever you're ready, you can come back. So that what to me, that was, I wanted to know what he knew. And yeah. that's what was driving me in Sistema. Hi folks, Glenn here. As Sistema for Life approaches its 100th episode, I'd like to take a minute to thank everyone who has contributed to the show, all our listeners, and to everyone who's offered requests, encouragement, and feedback along the way. I also need to ask a quick favor. We have already enjoyed two years of high-quality interviews, insights, and ideas on Sistema for Life. We'd like to keep the show going, and we want to keep it open to all, but we need your help to do it. It takes time, effort, and more than little cash to produce a podcast more than two grand a year at current hosting and production rates. We have no paid advertising, and we do it all off our own backs with help from listeners and generous supporters like you. So if you're a fan of Systema for Life and you get real value from the ideas and the conversations we create, then please take a few minutes now to subscribe at www.ncsystema.com support. Support at whatever level you feel like you can afford. Even $3 or $5 a month is a help. Think of it as buying us a beer or a cup of coffee once a month for our travels. So visit ncsystema.com support and use the buttons on the page to select your preferred monthly or annual support level. You'll receive a confirmation on sign up and you can cancel at any time. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because it's become, for me, that's been almost like the benchmark of seeing what somebody's real skill or strength or quality is, right? I used to be impressed by so many different types of movement. Right? If somebody was very acrobatic or they could kick very fast or th- kick three times without putting the leg down, or they had, you know, an amazing compound throw or something like that that put somebody down or amazing jujitsu skills or something like that. Now I'm, I'm still impressed by, you know, I'll, I'll watch jujitsu players. I'll watch judo players. I'll watch boxers. Um, I'll watch MMA fights. Right. And, um, but it's it's almost like when you see somebody and they're extremely tense and they're obviously fighting from just pure fear or aggression, mm. even if they win, I'm not that impressed a lot of the time because the, it's almost a game. You can watch two p- players going for it and you can look to see from a Sistema point of view which one looks most calm, most stable, most relaxed and most kind of aware of everything that's going on around them. And you can almost always, like if you're a betting man, you could put money on that guy almost every time. <laughs> like It's almost a fun game that I like to play when I'm watching MMA. I'm like, I get about 30 seconds into the fight. I'm like, yeah, probably that guy. And then even sometimes you can watch them come down the, uh, you know, the entryway and how they show off and what they do. And you, and you can see that in their eyes and their posture and their movement and their gait, what they're feeling as they go in. And like sometimes they're nervous and they calm down and it changes, right? But it's a really fun game to look at them come in and be like, okay, I can pretty much tell from the way you walk how nervous you are right now or how aggressive you are. And probably I would put money on you, right? And sometimes you're wrong. Like sometimes pure aggression and speed and a bit of luck, right? <laughs> somebody pressing forwards and just catching a good one can overwhelm somebody and then they'll get knocked out or something will happen, right? They'll capitalize on it and do a takedown and something like that. But more often than not, it's the, it's the one who stays stable and relaxed. And not even necessarily relaxed, but just kind of like solid, you know, like the whole body is solid. And you can see it in boxers. When they say a boxer has a good chin, it doesn't mean they have like a cast iron chin, right? It means that they can take shots, but it doesn't really seem to affect them psychologically, right? They, they have the ability to hang out taking shots. They don't have to respond by pressing forwards after they take a shot and they don't have to back up, right? They, they're just there. And you see this in Muay Thai fighters as well. And it's like a quality that in a lot of martial arts I see is almost like, um, ineffable or something right they you, some people develop it and some people don't like heavy hands in boxing as well they're like oh some guys just have heavy hands or knockout power and some don't um and you get this in a lot of different martial arts and some 
kind of say, keep doing these techniques, keep doing these training methods, and eventually you'll get this thing or you won't, right? But Systema yeah. seems to me it's like one of the very few that goes straight to that, right? It, it goes straight to that idea. Like, unless you have that stability and that ability to take a shot, to stay calm, not to get rolled up, not to get tense in Systema speak, right? Um, then everything else is built on a shaky foundation, right? That whole idea that we build that foundation and then all the other skills then matter after that right um, but this really the foundation this so it's it's been it took me a long time it took me a few years to realize that when i was training and i was still looking for the magic bullet and the magic technique and the magic wavy way of moving that would help me move more like max franz or vlad or who someone else i'd seen right and now i'm not now i'm still impressed by their movement of course people excellent system instructors i'm always interested in movement for its own sake but i'm more impressed with how they're holding themselves and how they position themselves even before the attack comes and all that kind of stuff right so you look for different things right right that's correct yep. yeah so, so what we um so you started training uh directly with vladimir in toronto and that became like a multi-year relationship of going backwards and forwards and training with him and then and then hosting him sometimes in seminars down in Florida. I've been to a couple of yours down there. So what were your one-on-one experiences with Vladimir? Do you have any kind of like transformative experiences that drew you even further in? Oh, well, you know, now we're doing a lot of the Zoom classes. Yeah. So th- those are those are great. Mm. Um, but, you know, did a lot of, uh, of course, seminars with him, classes, um, did a lot of privates with him. Um, not yeah. too many, did some. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's just incredible. Incredible. We we uh, for example, we were doing a Zoom class uh, last week just on fingers. You know, uh, an hour and a half just working with fingers. Mm. Uh, and uh, that to me is just incredible how how he knows so much. Like the six, you know, he talks about the we talked about the six points of contacts, mm. six contact, uh, working from level zero, just things like that. You know, and, and uh, working those from your fingers from the six point contact uh so yeah just uh just how much information and how much knowledge he has and how he can relate that information to you know simplistic so we can so the average person can understand yeah and uh, you may not be able to do it but at least you have a understanding whereas other martial arts you know technique wise uh you might see it you might try to uh, imitate it but yeah. you might not you, you're not going to get it you know unless you've been doing it for you know 20 30 years and then you go oh okay you know i finally got it i'll, I'll tell you a quick story uh, i was in the you know been in the, been in Kemper for a long time and i was in the elevator with a guy named bob lyles from uh, sacramento california mm. guys tough guys been around for a long time a uh, lot longer than me and uh, you know he asked me a question he says hey kenny he says uh do you know all the techniques in Kempo? And I was like, uh, yeah. He goes, uh, do you know all the extensions? And I was like, yeah. He goes, hmm, that's funny. He said, I've been doing a, you know, Kempo a lot longer than you, and I don't even know all of them myself. So hmm. it kind of like, you know, it makes you realize that, you know, you you need the foundation. And, and I think Sistema, is, uh, Vladimir has given us that foundation of the, of the breathing, the relaxation, you know, all, working with the fingers and all that. Hmm. That's 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 what you need is that foundation of being able how to breathe, how to stay relaxed. The the you know the the four pillars. Sure. Yeah. So, cause techniques, you know, it, in 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 a fight, I don't think they will really, really work. Mm-hmm. I think that the four pillars in Sistema in an actual street fight will work. Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting 
that's an interesting way to phrase it, right? Because sometimes you see these arguments raging. And to be honest, I've been out of this whole arguing whether or not yours is the best martial art type thing. That hasn't been a pastime of mine for years. I've, <laughs> I've, I've passed on to arguing with people for different reasons on Facebook or trying to get off Facebook entirely these days. But, um, but this whole argument of kind of principles versus techniques, right? Given that Sistema is a highly principle-based art, right? It's really about just trying to embody those four pillars, the breathing, the structure, the uh, movement, and the relaxation, right? Or the control of your tension, and then be in the right place to do those things. I mean, Martin has even gone as far as to say in seminars sometimes, like Sistema is all breathing and striking and being in place to do one of those two things, right? <laughs> it's like pretty much everything else is like, if you got that sorted, you're fine, you know? Like, um, and so it's, it's this question of kind of paring down, right? You think everything is very complicated and you're trying to pare it down to the, the essence of what you're trying to do. But at the same time, I mean, there's no doubt that having techniques in your back pocket, right? Knowing how to throw a crisp jab, knowing how to break somebody's arm with like a Kimura lock or dislocate their shoulder or something, or know how to do a proper choke, right? There's a time for having these things. But even if you have the techniques, right? Um, when they work, it's not really the technique that's working, right? It's you that's working. It's like you got the choke because you were in the right place. You moved and you, you know, relaxed and you managed to slip the choke on while they didn't know what was happening. You can't force a technique to happen. Otherwise, it's obvious. And they grab your arm or just make space or wriggle out of it or something like that. So that the longer I train, that still keeps coming back. And it, it's, you could take that statement at face value and say techniques don't work. And that would might offend like a, a karate guy or a Muay Thai practitioner or a Kempo guy and be like, don't be ridiculous. I knock people out all the time. You know, it's like, and what's your stupid, what's your technique for this and stuff? It's like, it's like it's, yeah, but you're, you're kind of taking that the wrong way, right? It's like the techniques don't work if that's all you have. I think that's the, the thing to come away with, right? If you have right. techniques layered upon an understanding of structure and um, attributes, I mean, in some ways, other martial arts look at this, right? I, I know I, I haven't done very much Kali or Eskrima, but I did like for a short time in London, I was kind of spread betting and training a bunch of different martial arts when I came back from Japan. And I did like a, I think it was like a six, it was only a six week course, six week intensive with a guy called Krishna Gordhanya, who just come back from the Philippines and was an excellent instructor. And we did like single stick, double stick, knife, you know, some pangamut, like a, uh, you know, hand to hand stuff like that, um, and he was and he the way that he taught it. He said, you know, outside of the Philippines, sometimes the way they teach uh, Filipino martial arts in England or in the states is very technique based. Like it's this pattern, this pattern, this pattern. You do this, but in the Philippines, it's like as it's traditionally taught. You're only really doing these things to build up what they call the attributes, right? You build up um, reflexes, you build up speed, you build up sensitivity, you build up timing. So they're the, really the things that they're training, right? They're like, yeah, you do all these stick patterns and all these moves and you practice these things, but not thinking that that's what you're, des you're actually going to apply in the fight. It's more like you're looking, you're examining it in different ways. And when I studied Aikido, there was a guy, um, man, I can't remember his last name now, Bruce something or the other, an American Aikidoka who wrote a book about training Aikido under Saito-sensei in Japan, which I did for a couple of years. And he was saying that in Aikido, you have these, you know, these basic techniques. There's only really six of them at the front end, and they're called like Ikkyu through Roku, right? The first teaching, the sixth teaching, and there's a few throws and things that you put on top of that. Um, but these basic techniques are mostly like arm locks, they're like arm bars or wrist locks or, you know, wrist twists or things like that. Um, but I studied them for years and then went to Japan. It wasn't until I got there and then kind of read stuff by this guy and then talked to people locally that it was made clear to me that 
the the intent of studying those things was not to learn how to do a standing arm bar on somebody because almost anybody can wriggle out of a standing arm bar right mm. or even a wrist lock right there are some nasty wrist locks you can apply and maybe they're handy if you're in the police or the mp and you need to get somebody into a van but on most people who don't want to be wrist locked they will not be wrist locked right they'll just punch you in the face with the other hand or they'll wriggle out of it or they'll do something right um so it took me years to realize that actually all you're doing when you're studying those wrist locks is studying the points of connection studying the biomechanics, learning the angles of least pressure and resistance, and then in doing so, just figuring out the, the, the relationship between you and the other person. And that's really what you're training. You're just trying to kind of connect with another person, find your shared center of balance and feel what their body is doing, and then use the techniques to feel that, right? So you're kind of, it's like a performance. You're doing the technique in order to understand something deeper. But I think people, again, take that, get that wrong, and they can spend years, even decades, training a martial art thinking that that that's what it is right that the techniques are actually the martial art and that's what's going to save me and this is what i'm doing and it's not true and i i the more i think about it and the older i've got the more i think that's true of all martial arts you know maybe jujitsu boxing anything else that works that way you're not really training the jab so that you have the best jab in the world right you're training the jab so you have a tool that you can apply during ring craft right so you can keep people where you need them so you can set them up so that you can draw and all those things right do do you have any thoughts on that is that your experience too Mm. Well, yeah, but I remember Vladimir saying that people cre- uh, people create techniques um, yeah. because they because they limit themselves, you know. So, so to me is um, these people are yeah. I mean, and and granted, there's a lot of great martial artists that do techniques, you know, that are technique based, sure. but they're limiting themselves, and 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 that's you know where I saw in Sistema when I was doing. Uh, you know, uh, my art that I created, Kali Kempel, when I was doing Kali Kempel, um, I saw Vladimir, I met Vladimir and I was like, wow, I want to do what he's doing. Because to me, you know, he was moving in a way where my my movement was, you know, relaxed and, you know, and fast, but it was all technique based. Mm. So, you know, if if he did this, I would do this. Mm. If he did this, I would do this. Right. Uh, if you throw a right punch, you know, if you grab two hands, one hand, et cetera, mm. you know, two hands, twin kimono, one hand, you know, long kimono, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But he was doing everything from freedom. Yeah. And to me, that was important to be free, not to be, uh, well, if he does this, I do this. If he does this, like like you said, you know, you grab somebody in a chokehold and you're only going to get that chokehold if you relax. Right. Sure. But Vladimir does that all from the freedom. Sure. You know, from, from the freedom. And, and to me, that was, you know, I had created my own art, you know, um, but I was looking for that and he had that. And that's why, you know, that's what drove me to Sistema. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think our, our paths in training and our reasons for training can change too, right? We can get into it for one reason and then we see it so much deeper. I remember the analogy Constantine shared once a while ago was that, you know, Sistema is like a mountain range. You climb up the mountain, you're like, I'm nearly there, I'm nearly there. And you get to the top of something and you're like, this is great, I've achieved something. And then you see from the top that there's another mountain that's way higher and way higher. And it seems like every time you reach one of those, the mountain that you're looking at is not just a bit higher. It's <laughs> You realize that you don't know anything at all. Right? You're just on a foothill and you've got so much further to go. And, and that can be intimidating and even discouraging to some people. Um, but to others, it's like, you know, a red rag to a ball. We're like, oh, there's more. There's more to be had here. And, and even on a spiritual and a psychological level, right, you get deeper and deeper into it and you realize the underpinnings of why we react the way we do. And it, it can lead you in some interesting directions, I think. Um, and and I've seen Vladimir as well, like develop over the years from somebody who was so physical into somebody who stopped controlling the interaction further and further 
um, ahead of the actual point of contact, right? More often than not, when you work with him one-to-one, he, he really feels what you're going to do. And by the time your hand lands on him or you've thought about throwing the kick or the punch, he's already in a position smiling and, and, you know, and you're like, oh, that was a terrible idea, right? <laughs> it's, it's already happened. Um, and of course, Michael is his kind of, you know, his model for working that way. And Michael's abilities are so far ahead of most of the rest of the mortal world <laughs> in, the, in, in kind of understanding what conflict is and where it happens and even what people are feeling as they go in, that it's, it's almost difficult to get a grip on sometimes and we just kind of have to grasp the snippets of it or you know, understand things that are coming down the pipe through other instructors in, um, in Moscow or through Vladimir himself. In, in recent years, he's made himself a bit more accessible, I think, and a bit more like leading one-to-one things and simplifying the way he's talking about things. But it's, um, it's an interesting distinction between those two and the way that they approach, I think. What, what are your experiences working with Michael? Have you- uh, I met Michael once uh, in, in Las Vegas, uh, one of the seminars there. Uh, you know, Michael is Michael. I mean, he's just phenomenal. And, hmm. you know, what he teaches, it's hard to... Uh, for me, it was a little hard to understand because of the the language barrier. You know, having sure. to translate uh, with Vladimir, at least you know you you get some um, majority of it of when he's doing a seminar is English, and there are certain things where he can't uh, you know explain. Then he'll get Valerie or someone else to explain. Sure. But majority sure. of the times, you know, his English is 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 well is you know it's very understanding. With Michael, it's hard. So a lot of it gets lost in translation mm. with Michael. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's he's phenomenal. He does a lot of internal work, which Vladimir now, you know, I mean, not now, but he he always has. But you know, lately we've been working a lot, you know, uh, how to move internally. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, and like you said, you know, you try to grab him, and he's like, it's like grabbing a stick of butter, you know, sure. and he's moving <laughs> internally. And you can't understand what's happening because it's all internal. You don't understand yeah. it until you see it externally but he's already moving internally before you even touch him (laughs) yeah to all our listeners and Systema fans around the world NC Systema have moved all of our regular classes online live streaming group classes via Zoom most days at 6.30pm US Eastern Standard Time plus daytime classes on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Sundays please consider this an open invitation for you and your students to join us for the duration of COVID to come together online and to keep our skills and our groups alive. Payment is on a sliding scale relative to where you're at and what you can afford. Visit ncsystema.com slash online to sign up today. Join us. Sure. Yeah, definitely. It's nice to have the contrast though, right? It's nice to have, it's, it's great that we have like a spread of instructors that interpret Systema in different ways, right? So I grasp different things when I train with Emmanuel than I do when I train with Martin. Uh, I train you know, you'll have an insight that I never thought about before if I get to train with you. And, and even as training partners, we get to swap these things, right? We get to glimpse different facets of the diamond and then share them with each other. And eventually we hopefully build up a picture, which is not too wrong. <laughs> it's at any given time, any snapshot we take, it's probably not right, right? Uh, whenever we have an idea of what system it is, usually it's a wrong idea, right, that we're getting. So it's, a, it's kind of an ideal that seems to be strived towards. Right? We're always trying to rid ourselves of... of um, you know, misconceptions and misperceptions about what's going on and trying to understand where that's coming from in our own background. It, it gets very, very deep very quickly. <laughs> Definitely. So, um, so how's that? So you've, I've heard you've been coping okay with the, um, with the shutdowns and things like that in Florida as a result of COVID, obviously while we're recording this, we're still under some 
restrictions, both in uh, my place and down in yours as well. Um, how how have you adjusted to that? Have you, so you mentioned that you've been training online with Vladimir. You've done a couple of um, things up there as well. Are you still managing to see any students under you know limited conditions down there, like do privates or things in Florida, or is it just kind of shut all the way down for now? Well, for right now, it's it's shut all the way down. Yeah. For a while there, it was shut down at the beginning. You know, uh, I think nationally we were all shut down. Uh, but Florida opened up a little bit, so I was able to teach a couple classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, it was getting where it was the cases of uh, coronavirus cases are going up. Yeah. So, too too um, many people hit the beach at once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, too many people coming from other states to mm-hmm. Florida. Uh, so, so I shut my uh, studio down once again. Um, one of my students, him and his wife, uh, uh, got the actual virus, mm. and uh, I, I shared with you the story um, where you know they they basically survived through it because they don't you don't get any medication. You know, you, when once you find out you have COVID, they just send you home mm. unless you you can't breathe. Yeah, then they put you on on the ventilators, but. Uh, the way they dealt with it was through the system of breathing yeah. and through cold water dowsing, mm. him and his wife. Um, yeah. And he, he wrote a big uh, article about it. Um, I shared it with uh, Vladimir and Valerie. Yeah. And I also shared it with you. So um, that, you know, that to me was not the fact that he had COVID, but the fact that, you know, uh, the breathing yeah. and, you know, the system of uh, uh, principles, the, you know, the four pillars. He was able to use those to help him, you know, so not only, you know, can we use it, you know, to uh, teach ourselves, but, you know, also to cure ourselves, which we've known for a long time. So, sure. Yeah, people have been talking a lot. I mean, part of whether or not you succumb to COVID seems to be like an unlucky accident of genetics, right? I think they found a couple of gene sequences that some people have, and it just makes you very, very susceptible to it, you know, infecting your body and doing a lot of damage very quickly and getting you on a ventilator. So a lot of it, I think, is, you know, just an unlucky roll of the dice, like the body that you were born with. Um, and then some of it is, you know, if you're diabetic or if you're very overweight, you're much more susceptible to it. It's much, much more easy. But if you're in fairly good health and you, and you work on your health all the time and you, you know, get your vitamins, vitamin D seems to be a big one as well. Um, then you've got a much better fighting chance and still, you know, it's, it's very small proportion of people actually get very sick with it, right? You can carry it and stuff like that. But, um, so to my mind, it becomes all the more important to, you know, bolster your body and be more resilient, right? You don't know whether or not you're going to be one of those unlucky people who, if you catch it, you know, you could go downhill or whether you'll be somebody that shrugs it off, right? The odds are that you can shrug it off, but you don't know, right? And you also don't want to pass it on if you can help it to somebody else who isn't as fortunate as you, like somebody older, somebody who is diabetic, somebody who's immunocompromised, right? So I think we owe it to ourselves and our friends and our communities just to be as strong as we can and shrug shrug things off and act responsibly so that we don't, you know, so that we can act in the good of everybody else as well, you know? So, and clearly an art which teaches you how to breathe and how to open things up properly is probably quite critical during a, a pandemic that affects your breathing. You know? <laughs> Definitely it's one of the first, first points of call. That's yeah. correct. Excellent. So, correct. Um, so, I've, so you've mentioned that you're... Um, you had a obviously you had a seminar that was um scheduled with martin wheeler for um, may of this year and that got totally the kibosh was put on that one by covid measures but you've managed to postpone it and you're holding it now in december is that right it's december 3rd through yeah. december 6th um it went from a two-day seminar now to a master class okay so like a four-day format four-day format okay. uh you can uh, contact uh, you can get all the information through um uh, through tampasystema.com. Yep. 
Um, so is that going to be held in Tampa? Was that Tampa, Sarasota, or whereabouts? Well, right now it's still held in Sarasota, but yeah. the, the location might change. Yeah. Uh, since I might uh, be opening up another studio here in Tampa, that might change. But as of right now, it's still in Sarasota. Okay, gotcha. So the location might be in flux, but the dates are set. Right? You know when he's coming. Yeah. Okay. December through the sixth. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, I can I can direct people to that. Is it, have you are you having to kind of shuffle things around and put measures in place at the way you're working things? I know we've got a seminar with Martin as well in September, and we've moved the whole thing outside. Right. We're doing the whole thing in the in the woods and that kind of stuff because we just don't know what the situation is going to be in North Carolina by. October and ours is a bit sooner too. So like it probably we won't be able to, there's a chance that Florida might be on a low boil, you know, by December and you won't have to worry about it. You can do things indoors, but uh, are you putting anything in place to reassure people that um, if they're coming from out of state, they're not going to be mixing up with uh, other folks? Well, we haven't, we haven't looked into that yet. Cause like you said, yeah. you know, yours is closer than mine. Mine is in yeah. December. We still have a few more months. Yeah. Um, but the, the studio that, um, that I'm going to, take over has a lot of the measurements you know we they we uh take the temperature okay uh you know we have uh you know different measures uh you know it's it's a larger facility so people can uh, spread out more so people can spread out more yeah um and if we do need to do it outside of course in december uh the florida weather in december is, oh, yeah. is so <laughs> yeah that's true i didn't think of that yeah florida when i think december running a seminar outdoors i'm like that's not and then like, wait a minute it's florida it's good to be it's like mediterranean all year round it's fine so it's, <laughs> that's, that's right so so during that time if we do need to do it outside it'll be yeah. pleasant weather and uh, yeah. uh we might even you know get some beach time in yeah, so that's what i think might turn to a four-day beach party with martin wheeler <laughs> nice great excellent so I'll, I'll put um i'll put links onto the uh, show notes after this so that people can click through and check that out and sign up um, ahead of time with Martin as well. And all the best for that. I hope that goes well. Is, it, is there anything else you would like people to know about? About um, how, do, how do people contact you if they want to get together with you, maybe training one-to-one or something like that down in Tampa? Well, yeah, tampasystema.com is, okay. is the best place. I know a lot of people who have contacted me recently have gone to uh, Vladimir's site. Yeah. And then they, they see the, you know, the instructors in each state. Yeah. And they'll reach out to me that way. Mm. Um, I'm on Facebook. I am. I have Tampa. I have a Sistema 365 on Facebook. Okay. Then I also have Tampa Sistema on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, I, you can always call Vladimir and, and and Valerie, and they'll give you my information if you need so. Yeah. Um. So those are all great ways to get a hold of me. Um. So. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, so yeah. Be mindful of your time. I know we've only um got a a quick chop today. So, but if you had any um. If you had any advice for people, like uh, trainees of Sistema, or maybe even instructors who are up and coming in their training, um, as a veteran martial artist generally, and as somebody who's been training Sistema for a long time now, what would it be? What, what would you say to a younger Kenny to help him avoid mistakes? Uh, get on the first plane to Toronto once the COVID is over yeah. and train with Vladimir. Uh, you know, that's that was it, that's my advice to anyone who who's been doing Sistema for a while. Uh, has never done Sistema, is doing some other type of martial arts, get on a plane, uh, meet Vladimir. Um, you know, you might not do Sistema for the rest of your life, or you might do Sistema for the rest of your life. Gotcha. But you have to meet him because he's an incredible martial artist and an incredible person. Yeah. Um, you know, he's awesome. <laughs> so go to the source. That's the thing. Go directly oh. to the source. Don't mess around. <laughs> drink, the, drink the water right from the source. Right? There you go. That's the right way. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Kenny. It's been a pleasure um, talking to you. And it's been a wee while since we had the chance to 
to gab or hang out. So I, I hope to see you in training again soon in better times. Likewise, sir. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Ben. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Sistema, please visit us online at www.ncsistema.com.